Hi, and welcome to Being Lutheran, a podcast dedicated to proclaiming the excellencies of Jesus Christ and the biblical theology expressed in the Lutheran Confessions. Today, Pastor Jason Goodham, Pastor Brett Bowe, and Pastor Adam Osher continue their discussion on Article 16 of the Augsburg Confession on civil government as it pertains to the church. Being Lutheran is sponsored by the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary. Whatever your vocation is, start here and go anywhere grounded in God's Word. Welcome to the Being Lutheran Podcast. I am Pastor Brett Bow, and I'm joined by... Pastor Jason Goodham. And Pastor Adam Osier. All right. Uh, we are on our second episode discussing Article 16 of the Augsburg Confession and Apology on civil government. Yep. Yeah, we had a grand old time last time. So far, we have not received any complaints about episode one on this right. arc, so that's pretty but good. But we haven't released... At the time of recording, we haven't released it. Shh. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that's the way it rolls. But uh, no, I I am just absolutely fascinated by the depth and the breadth mm-hmm. of this topic. Again, right. yep. uh, as someone who maintains that all theology is relevant and mm-hmm. applicable, uh, it's still hard not to be blown away by how all theology is relevant and right. applicable. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It's good to talk about, and that's why we love doing this podcast. It's it's our chance to talk about it, your chance to listen and to think about it. And to think about the applications to your life as well. Yeah, like a Christian response to the Astros cheating. Yes. That fits under this article, yep. right? <laughs> <laughs> I suppose I should eat crow. I know the last batch yeah, of episodes. I, that I, was I a prom- bad prediction. I know I promised the White Sox to win, but they could not beat the cheaters. Yeah. Yeah. It's, our last hope is the Atlanta Braves. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope uh, that when this is released, that will have already happened. Yeah, right. Yeah. So anyway, we are. <laughs> How do we transition out of that? You don't. Uh, you just yeah. tell Jason to shut up, and you get on with the episode. Well, you know, we're in just talking about this episode. Uh, you know, in discussing civil government, there's a whole bunch of other really excellent theological topics that get pulled into this, and uh, I've been trying to think of some sort of name to call all of these doctrines that have either two or three in front of them, like two kingdoms or two kinds of righteousness. Three, know, estates. three estates, um, yeah, two two KR. I know a flame has that, but I don't know if, if you listeners have any good names for the I don't know the, the twos category. the twos and threes. Yeah, uh, the, the the basketball, the basketball doctrines. Right. Well, even vocation we talked about in pairs. There's yep. always two people involved at least um, in vocation. Yep. But yeah, so there's a lot of great topics that get pulled into this discussion on. Uh, civil government or civil authority. Um, so maybe let's just start with two kingdoms and go from there. Um, how does that that doctrine get tied in with this one from this article? Well, yeah. So one of the ways we want to look at all of these doctrines, but maybe especially on the level of the two kingdoms or the two realms, is is to simply step back when you're looking at any of the confessional documents that we have in the Book of Concord and ask yourself, why is this particular section? Why is this particular article a matter of confessional importance? Because certainly uh, the Book of Concord and all of its documents is not comprehensive for the Christian life. It's adequate, 
but not comprehensive. So why this and a number of other things we talk about that mm-hmm. aren't in there? And, and and the reality is, is because so much of biblical truth stands behind what is being confessed. And in this case, one of the best places to start is the doctrine of the two kingdoms or mm-hmm. the doctrine of the two realms that informs how God operates in reality based on both spiritual and material principles, right? Would it be valuable to, like, uh, define yep. the, the, you know, the doctrine mm-hmm. here? So yeah. you have the two kingdoms. You have the, the kingdom of the right hand, which is a spiritual kingdom, right? And then you have a, a political kingdom, which we call the left-hand kingdom at different times. And what, what I found fascinating about this is it's been a very freeing way mm-hmm. of understanding government, uh, of understanding the Christian's role in government and how the Christian is a citizen of, of these two separate kingdoms, right? But they're two distinct kingdoms, uh, and we need to be careful that as Christians of the right-handed kingdom, of, of the right-hand kingdom, right, the spiritual kingdom, we don't try and turn the left-hand political kingdom into the right kingdom, right? Mm-hmm. So there's there's two distinct roles, but this, the Christian is a citizen of both, mm-hmm. both kingdoms, and has vocations and responsibilities in each. Yeah, an excellent resource if you haven't, and we've mentioned this book before yeah, on the podcast, but right. if you haven't read up on it, uh, Dr. Joel Bierman, yeah. uh, basically all of the doctrines we're going to talk about today, <laughs> he's written something about, but his yeah. uh, book on the two kingdoms or the two realms is yeah. a book called Holy Citizens. Yeah, that's a great it's book. It's W-H-O-L-L-Y, Citizens. Uh, highly recommend that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the phrases he comes up with to, to describe how the, the two kingdoms are related to each other is distinction without divorce. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. that's a great way to remember. Right. So the, the, the overarching principle of the two kingdoms is that God rules. It's not right. God rules in one and not the other. Mm-hmm. It's that God rules. He rules in two different ways. He rules spiritually in the church by the gospel, and he rules materially in the political kingdom or yeah. in the left-hand kingdom by the law. Right. Now, uh, where Christian systems, Christian philosophies hose this up is that God only rules in the church uh, and man rules in society, or they invert the role of the gospel and the law in the church and in society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and we want to avoid both of those. Right. Right. Yeah, like this line from the Apology, uh, they say, the gospel does not introduce laws about public state, but is the forgiveness of sins and the beginning of a new life in the hearts of believers. And uh, just talking about that distinction, and, and you know that kind of pulls in that discussion of you know separation of church and state. And uh, I don't remember which resource talked about instead of being a wall of separation, it's more like a fence or more like a you know you a, a like lesser... Wilson on Tool Time peering over the top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, oh boy, you go a lot of different directions with that. <laughs> home improvement, uh, not yeah, Tool Time. Home tool Time was the show on Home Improvement. Right. I always no, get that the screwed up. Fictitious show on the fictitious. Yeah, yeah that's right. a wonderful thing. Yeah, um, yeah you, again, you 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 want interaction without right. dominance. Yeah. In in one way yeah. or the other, and and in fact, we would recognize as confessing Christians that the freedom to operate in the left hand kingdom mm-hmm. with biblical wisdom comes from the gospel. 
mm-hmm. right? That that because the gospel addresses in in you know maybe you know we have to kind of find a segue somewhere because of the existence of the two kinds of righteousness. Yeah, because the go. gospel deals with our vertical righteousness. That horizontal right, righteousness is what spills over and is more or less addressed by the left hand kingdom. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have your, your vocation is playing out yep. in the left hand kingdom, and there so. I've often, this is where I've struggled actually in looking at this doctrine. Where does the law and the gospel fall? You know, and, and for a long time, I think my thinking was more so that there is, it's always law in the left handed kingdom. But that isn't necessarily true if you look at it in terms of vocation. If your left handed kingdom experience is vocation, then Christ's love for people is expressed through us. Now, us doing, you know, us serving God is, is, you know, me doing the right thing is law, right? It's the the third function of the law, right? But the idea of God or Christ loving people through us, you know, and that is is the gospel. Am I wrong on that? No, you're not wrong. And and again, something like the two kingdoms requires almost an infinite amount of nuance, right? (laughs) So we would say that in the church, the primary mode of operation is the gospel, but not exclude. We need the law in the church, right. right? In society, the primary mode is the law, but there is room for the gospel, right? And and in fact, those distinctions and that nuance allows for that in the church, the law drives us to the confession of sins for forgiveness, but the law operating society operates more on the level of consequence. Okay. Than, than on eternal punishment. And so, again, having both of those together uh, means that when someone commits a crime in the left-hand kingdom, that they can be forgiven, but there is still punishment. And again, when this is not well-nuanced, uh, if we misapply the gospel mm-hmm. to someone who's committed a crime, right. it means that their crime doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and how many abusers have have taken advantage of a poor confession that you need to forgive me for yeah. what I've done. Yeah. And you can be forgiven and still acknowledge that if you committed a crime, you need to do the time. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the, the, the crime distinction... Dog Jason crime dog, yeah. <laughs> McGruff the crime dog. Yeah. Right? Fred McGriff the crime dog. <laughs> uh, the, the two kingdoms paired with the two kinds of righteousness, mm-hmm. paired with the doctrine of vocation. <laughs> vocation, right. Uh, all and of the that, three estates. Uh, all of that within existing the context with the three, of the three estates. That's our list yeah. of, you know, we, we the came up with... and threes. Yeah, yeah, we came up with the, the, the doctrines that are hiding behind that. Yeah. All of these are interrelated. Mm-hmm. And, and without the proper ordering and confession of these doctrines from Scripture, that's where the church oversteps. Or, or that's where Christians lose their way in society, mm-hmm. or, or or that's where we punt on law and order and play favoritism. Sure. All of that uh, comes from a corruption or, or a failed confession. Mm-hmm. Do you guys think that having all these twos and threes uh, teachings provides like a? I'm trying to think of how to say this, but that provides like a framework for which any Christian in any situation can process what's before them and. I guess tools to help them think how how this plays out. A, a framework without a formula. 
Sure. Yeah. Well, it, yeah. It's, that's, it, that's true. It's not. It's not like a A plus B equals yeah. C kind of thing. Yeah. It's it's messy, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's this reason that Luther has this quote to Melanchthon: "Sin boldly," right? Because there, <laughs> there there are oftentimes we don't know what to do, and and of course the follow up to that is repent boldly, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are all yeah. sorts of specific situations that will only say, ever apply to someone's life, right? right? We could come up with hypotheticals. There's a bunch of case studies that yeah. we could discuss and think through how how all these things apply and work together. But but you you start with the paradigm of what does Scripture say? And then with the words of Scripture, you have law or gospel. Right. And then under law or gospel or law and gospel or under that paradigm, then you have all of these other truths that you apply that, you know, how does this operate in the two kingdoms? What does this say about my righteousness before God versus my righteousness before my fellow man? What does this say mm-hmm. about me loving my neighbor in the particular callings and stations that God has put me in in life? All right. The nuance, the nuance that you talk about um, that is, you know, just, you know, replete through the <laughs> Lutheran confessions. There's a lot of nuance when we talk about these doctrines. And I think it's a little bit of a side note, but I think that's why Lutheran doctrine is harder to convey, you hmm. know, when you don't have specific formulas and, you know, A plus B equals mm-hmm. C and, you know, that sort of thing. When we don't have specific formulas. We have theological tensions and yeah, par- we have paradox. paradox mm-hmm. and, you know, paradoxes. And we were just talking about that at the time of this recording in, in class today. We were talking hmm. about law and gospel uh, and the nature of the distinction. And one of the things I teach the students is that it isn't a formula that we put on the text. It's the way God chooses to speak, which by definition makes it more nuanced. And it makes it, you know, that there's, and we have a professor when we were in seminary together who always used to say, you know, that law and gospel is best learned in the school of experience. And I think to, to learn these doctrines that we're talking about right now you know, the school of experience in life and being able to see and wa- watch the news sometimes, be able to look at the news and see what's going on and to say, ah, that just isn't quite right. Or as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven and as a citizen of the earthly realm, the political realm, what's my calling here? Yep. You know, and there's a lot of open doors for the Christian. You know, as we talked about last time, there's not just one avenue that we're called and forced to go down. Mm-hmm. There was, we had, all three of us had practical theology in seminary with Pastor Lee. And almost inevitably, every class would be, well, what do you do here? Or how do you do this? Or what do you do this? And I remember distinctly at the end of one class, he was very patiently getting frustrated <laughs> with all these uber specific things. Yeah. And, and what he told us is one of the wisest things I heard for pastors in seminary. He's like, you find the tension and you live there. That, that rarely in, in, in the real world is there something that's so black and white that you just go there and it's, it's just clear like that. And, and now that's not to say there isn't a right and wrong or like the truth of Jesus Christ isn't clear. It's that when you're living your life, how you act as a Christian more often than not is do this specific thing. It's more that these are your options. Use the biblical wisdom and react accordingly, right? Mm-hmm. And I think when you recognize that, it's not a, oh man, I don't know what to do. It's a, oh, I have freedom, yeah. mm-hmm. right? There's a yeah. there's a difference yeah. in attitude as you respond to that. And I think that that is the heart of this article, you know, that there is freedom to go yeah. and do these things, you know, that we're not bound 
by, oh no, am I, am I in God's will? Am I doing things yeah. exactly as prescribed? <laughs> um, are all these things okay? Yeah. It's no, I think, I think we have some freedom and there's a lot of joy and freedom, isn't there? There's a lot of joy and freedom, uh, and there's a lot of freedom and freedom. And, and, and the problem with that is we want to be told what to do because we want to believe we're doing it. And when being told what to do makes something a matter of the law. And once something becomes exclusively the property of the law, mm-hmm. ultimately that will mean that we're failing. Yep. Ultimately, mm. it will mean that we're not measuring up. Mm-hmm. And, and I had a friend, uh, a Bible school classmate of mine, someone would say, what's your greatest comfort as a Christian? And, and he would always answer very piously, and, and as far as I know, very sincerely, to know that I'm in the exact center of God's will. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, right. Think about that kind of pressure. Yep. Right? Oh, how do you know that? The dot. Yeah. Yep. How do you, I mean, you know, you're either excusing sinful behavior and saying, well, God knows my intentions. He's letting me fudge a little bit. Or you're constantly racking your conscience knowing that you aren't in the exact center of God's will. It, the, the, the real comfort of the Christian life is that Christ is the end of the law. Christ has fulfilled the law for me. And I stand before God in the righteousness of Christ and not in the righteousness of Jason. And that's the exact center of God's will. Yeah. Is that we stand in his presence. In exactly. that standing, mm-hmm. through that, that, through the blood of Christ, that we've been clothed with Christ, mm-hmm. that we've, that we've been washed clean by the blood of Christ, and mm-hmm. and and that allows us to make the leap from what we're talking about between the distinction between church and state, right hand kingdom, left hand mm-hmm. kingdom, to the idea of the two kinds of righteousness. Right, mm-hmm. two kinds of righteousness is this doctrine that says, vertically speaking, between yep. me and God, uh, the righteousness that I have is only Christ has nothing to do with me, has nothing to do with my performance. And in that righteousness, then, I am righteous before my neighbor based on me loving them in my vocation through my good works. Mm -hmm. Now, that righteousness before my neighbor has nothing to do with my salvation, right? It flows from it. Uh, Joel Bierman, again, uh, who wrote about this, has another book called Case for Character, another book I highly recommend. Mm-hmm. Yep, uh, but one of the, the ways he defines righteousness in that book is to be rightly oriented. Mm-hmm. So you ask yourself in any situation, how am I rightly oriented before God? Well, the answer to that question is always the same, by faith in Christ, right? right. But the, the, the question, how am I rightly oriented to my neighbor, that is entirely situational. That is entirely based on your vocation yep. and the situation within that vocation, yep. right? Uh, it's kind of like the finding the latitude, longitude of, of your personal situation of, of how it all connects together. Well, and, and, you know, we've talked about before when we've laid out the doctrine of vocation that, you know, if you love your neighbor the same way, uh, your doctor loves you, oh, yeah, right. you might end up killing your neighbor <laughs> if you're not a doctor, right? Yeah, there are those yeah. situations. But it's also entirely plausible yeah. that in one moment, what is necessary to love your neighbor is entirely appropriate. And the next moment, the same neighbor, that exact action is off limits, mm-hmm. right? That That we have to discern what is necessary to love our neighbor, and we have to have the freedom to discern that knowing that our actions are informed by our salvation, but our actions do not impact our salvation unless it involves unrepentance. That 
that last aspect that you just discussed is incredibly important for Christians to understand. Again, it goes back to that term nuance, right? Mm -hmm. That idea that, that things are nuanced. And the word that you brought up there, discernment, right? We as Christians need to be more discerning. And I feel like that's been the struggle that I've had with a lot of the political rancor going on right now, going back and forth. I don't have social media anymore because it drove me nuts. But when I was on social media, just some of the things that Christians were liking and posting were clearly posted without thinking through why. <laughs> and I think when we think of our neighbor and how to serve and love our neighbor, you're absolutely right. We can serve the same neighbor and love them in very, very different ways. And we do that all the time. Think about our neighbor as children, right? Yeah. If we think about our, our children being our neighbor, and biblically they are, right? They are our neighbor. Uh, at one moment, I need to take my daughter out for ice cream and enjoy her. And in another moment, I need to tell her that how she's talking to her mother is not acceptable or whatever the case might be. You know, <laughs> I'm in both cases, I'm loving my daughter. Uh, but it looks very different. And there's nuance. We have to understand, we get it in those familial, you know, the, the, the family estate. It's harder when we think in, in government and society. Well, the broader the vocation and the greater the number of neighbors a vocation has, the range of behaviors and outcomes becomes infinite, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you brought up something about social media in all of this in discernment that is really relevant for right now. I literally just read an article last week that came out that a, a, a large number of the quote-unquote Christian pages on Facebook, like these fan pages, were run by like Russian bots. <laughs> and, and they were just using Christianese memes. And, and that's how you get to wow. from... Uh, actual Christian expression of love to this like American patriotic Christianity, or or you know if you if if you do you love Jesus share this meme you know yeah. kind of thing. and it's it comes to a matter of discernment. What Christians fail to realize today yeah. is that discernment is commanded by Scripture mm -hmm. in multiple places. Right, First uh, John. Three or it's four. First John four is discern the spirits. The spirit of truth and, and spirit and, of error. Yeah. yeah, that's the that's the preamble to beloved. Let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. What leads into that is discern the spirits. Yeah, our call in vocation, which is what First John four seven and eight is about, is to be discerning. And uh, Paul, the last thing he said to the Ephesian church before he left in Acts is, mm -hmm. "Be discerning, because the wolves are going to come in among you." And yeah. like basically, you can sum up Corinthians both letters by "be discerning," and and it's all over the place. And, yep. and Christians today uh, refuse to be discerning because we want to be spoon fed fluff. And, and it, it's the fault of the Christian, but it's also the fault of the church. And we go back and we teach good doctrine. By teaching good doctrine, because all doctrine is practical and applicable, we are preparing Christians for life in society. And mm. if we punt on doctrine, we are punting on preparing our neighbors, fellow Christians, our neighbors, our church members as pastors, yeah. to interact Auto, uh, 
to interact in love yeah. out of their vocations as they leave the sanctuary on right. Sunday. And that's how the three estates get pulled yep. into this uh, conversation as well. Yeah. Sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, the, the whole counsel of God needs to be proclaimed too, right? Because we, we all know individuals, and not necessarily just within our church body, but just nationally speaking, of Christian leaders who have their hobby horses, right? And they have those, you know, things to stand on this truth, we've got to stand on this truth, we've got to stand on this truth, but they neglect some of the broader teachings of scripture, which are applicable to this truth that they're... And, and, Oftentimes, they're right on, they're spot on on this particular truth, but their application of it in various situations is off. So how do we, how do, what's the cure for that? I think the cure for that is pre- proclaiming the whole counsel of God, mm-hmm. you know, law and gospel in, in the scriptures. And so when you talk about nuance, well, you know, there isn't a, you know, a three-page manual that you can read and all the steps to become a perfect Christian. You know, there is the Word of God that gives us direction, and it speaks to all of life, and it speaks to the various aspects of life, just as we're seeing here in this article. And, and that's the trickle-down effect that we are talking about. Everything that we're talking about today has to start with the Word of God. That if if we punt on the Word of God and all of these other doctrinal, you know, shades that we're adding to the picture become topical or like you said hobby horse there's no way we're going to get them right like if 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 we don't have the word of god then the two kingdoms falls into a a a a misinformed argument about the division between church and state and that's not what two kingdoms is about It, it, it very loosely is connected to church and state arguments that's not the source of it if if we if we punt on the word of god then then two kinds of righteousness will devolve into an argument about social justice Mm-hmm. If we punt on the word of God, then vocation and the three estates will fall apart and, and, and you f- will wade into the weeds of the prosperity gospel or, or something along those aspects. And if, if theology, if doctrine isn't properly ordered, mm-hmm. then society as impacted by Christians, is never going to be properly ordered. And and, and that's why, to go back to the original premise of this episode, this is in the confessions. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's why we're talking about it's appropriate for Christians to be politicians and judges and law enforcement and hold real estate. Is This is a matter of us loving our neighbor with the first article blessings that God has given us as a confession and operating out of God's created order Mm -hmm. for all of us to bless us. Yep. Amen. I think that's a good place to end this episode. Uh, Thanks for listening and uh, come back uh, next week for our Old Testament episode on on this article. Thank you for joining us. Please look us up on the web at beinglutheran.com. Also invite a friend to check us out on Spotify and iTunes. For the latest from the Free Lutheran Bible College and Seminary in Plymouth, Minnesota, visit flbc.edu. God bless you and have a great week.